Welcome, Secret Movie Clubbers, to the podcast you've all been asking for all month, our monthly Here Is November 2021 podcast, where we're going to tell you all of the movies that we are showing in November 2021. As always, you can see this schedule at secretmovieclub.com. The cheat code is just follow us on Eventbrite at Secret Movie Club. I noticed, actually, we have 14,000 followers on Eventbrite, which, which is awesome. I'm very excited about that. But clearly, a lot of people know how to use Eventbrite. And so if you just follow us on Eventbrite, whenever we announce a new event, you'll just get a notification and can get tickets right away. And uh, just so you know, Secret Movie Clubbers, starting November 4th, we are going to enforce a policy we think is very smart social policy. I stand behind this. If you want to come see a movie, you do have to show us proof of vaccination. It can be a physical vaccination card or a virtual vaccination card. Just have it ready at the door or a negative PCR COVID test. We will also accept for folks who want to show us that, but we will need proof of that at the door. And that test has to be uh, verified as having been conducted within the last three days prior to the screening. Here we go. Secret Movie Club Wednesday, November 3rd, which uh, we believe when you listen to this podcast will be the day that it gets released because we're recording it the day before. Uh, we return to Fassbender Wednesdays, Beer Garden Wednesdays. There will be beer. There will be wine. There will be Fassbender. There will be melodrama. There will be satire. There will be very biting pointed views about how hypocritical everybody is. And we are going to show The Merchant of Four Seasons on 35 millimeter. One of my favorite Fassbenders, we tried to program the Fassbender all year series so that peppered throughout every month would be just a banger. So we're opening up with a banger. This movie probably is his very first Douglas Sirk inspired melodrama, uh, 1971. It follows a German who actually fought for the resistance, the French resistance in the war. So when Germany returns to peacetime, he's hated by everybody because rather than be a Nazi, he actually fought against Hitler. He gets married. He just tries to lead a normal life. But everybody from his wife to his neighbors hate him for actually having taken a principled stand during the war. It is a fascinating movie. We're showing it on 35mm. Thursday, November 4th, we're showing one of the most exciting, most strangest motion picture from the mind of John Cassavetti and his motion picture, Husbands, on 35mm. No one ever screens Husband at all, so this is like kind of a rare screening. And it's a very toxic movie about mourning. This is one of my favorite Cassavetti's movies. That's mine too now. I think it's fully aware that it's about toxic masculinity. About 30, 40 years before anyone was talking about toxic masculinity. So I think people should come and make up their minds. But Cassavetti's is one of my favorite directors. He's fully aware that the men in the movie are behaving horribly. It's not like the movie glorifies their behavior at all. A pretty brutal watch. And in fact, Peter Falk came to blows with Cassavetti's and swore he would never work with him again after this movie. And then three years later, helped get the money and start in Woman Under the Influence. So that should tell you something as well. And then, Secret Movie Clubbers, uh, we are honored. The Guadalajara Film Festival has chosen the Secret Movie Club Theater to host three of their closing weekend features. Friday, they're doing a double bill of Finlandia and is actually about, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Muchis. 
And Muchas are a group of people in Latinx Mexican culture who are transgender and actually serve a very important role in the Mexican Pueblo, the Mexican Barrio. They're actually very well respected, and they are a transgender subculture within greater Mexican culture society. And Finlandia tells their story. And then after Finlandia that night, we're doing the very known documentary, Paris is Burning, an LGBTQ classic about African-American and Latinx LGBTQ society in New York in the 1980s, specifically the voguing and ball subculture where African-American and Latinx LGBTQ members would get together and do just these incredible balls, these incredible voguing competitions. Uh, Madonna, of course, would appropriate this for her late 80s, early 90s albums. Jenny Livingston made this movie. It also shows it's a snapshot of LGBTQ. LGBTQ society, uh, minority society during the AIDS epidemic as well. One of the great 80s documentaries, 90s documentaries. Then Saturday at 4 p.m., another really topical Latinx documentary, Backstreet to the American Dream, made by Patricia Nazario, who I had the honor to actually meet yesterday, a journalist turned filmmaker. She spent years, as many documentarians do, making this movie, which actually captures L.A.'s food truck culture, which which is now huge, but it, it does something really, really important. There are two parallel tracks here of food truck culture. The food truck culture that's existed here for 40 years, I actually lived it. My neighbors for years and years were the Flores family and uh, Jesus Flores, my friend Jesus Flores, sold ceviche out of his van and it was delicious. And I'd buy it, but he just went around in his van selling ceviche in the barrio. And then, of course, like everything, white people appropriated this. And suddenly there was hipster food truck culture, which then went into competition, the much better, well-funded hipster food truck culture, which went into competition with the working class Latinx food truck culture. And this movie tells the story about both and its ties to uh, Latinx immigrant culture. So please, uh, we have these ticket links up. We are happy and honored to pair with a film festival. We are all about partnerships and alliances, so come see these movies. And then I'm just going to jump uh, Wednesday the 10th in November. The next Fastbender Wednesday, we're actually doing Germany in Autumn and The Third Generation. Let me just get right to it. Germany in Autumn was one of these omnibus movies where 13 filmmakers made like short films, all in response to the Red Army faction, the Bader-Meinhof gang, you may or may not know about from the 70s. They were were a German terrorist, or you could call them revolutionary, depending on your point of view, very far left wing communist guerrilla organization that believed that Germany had never really reconciled its Nazi past. And they believed the only way to do it was to kidnap industrialists and murder people and uh, wake Germany out of what they felt was still its Nazi presence. And then a bunch of filmmakers made movies, 10 minute shorts about their feelings about the Red Army faction, Bader Meinhof gang including Fassbender, who I think made one of his best movies, where he, his lover at the time, Armin, who would soon would kill himself, unfortunately, and his mother discussed this. And then uh, Fassbender made The Third Generation, which is a feature-length comedy about the Bader-Meinhof uh, Red Army faction. It's a very thinly veiled farce. And lest you thought, where did Fassbender fall on this? He has one of the characters dressed as a clown in a failed kidnapping of an industrialist. 
I've always talked about why I love Fassbender. It's because he shoots in all directions. His sympathies often were with the left, but he felt that the left were often the worst messengers of the message. He felt the Red Army faction and the Bader-Meinhof gang were clowns, and he felt that they were the worst messengers of a message that Germany needed to hear, which is that it hadn't reconciled with its Nazi past, but he thought kidnapping industrialists and bungling these things was absolutely the worst way to get people to actually wrestle with the Nazi past because it just made people dig into their points of view. It's a very challenging movie. Just to let you know, people in Germany threw acid at the screen and beat a projectionist to unconsciousness because they were so furious that the movie basically said that both the right and the left were idiots, but that is at the heart of Fassbender and why I love him. Uh, So come see two movies that infuriated everybody. On Thursday, November 11th at the Secret Movie Club Theater, we're celebrating Veterans Day with The Best Years of Our Lives by William Wyler. This film is about three veterans returning from service at the end of World War II. It took home a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Harold Russell, who was a real veteran. And as a point for this screening, all active military and any veterans uh, who want to come attend will be let in for free. On Friday, November 12th, also at the Secret Movie Cup Theater, we will be doing Ang Lee's The Ice Storm from 1997 with a very stacked cast. Kevin Klein, Joan Allen, Tobey Maguire, Elijah Wood, Sigourney Weaver, Christina Ritchie. Kind of a pseudo, it's a Thanksgiving movie, I would say. It takes place across Thanksgiving weekend. You don't have a lot of Thanksgiving choices, but I would say this falls in line of that. Not sure if it's something I'd want to revisit. Really, as a Thanksgiving tradition, but a Thanksgiving feature. I think it's one of Ang Lee's best examples of how he saves all the emotional power for the final scene. I ball, and I ball for 10 minutes straight. So come ball with me. On November the 13th at the Million Dollar Theater, both on film, we're doing a double feature of Night of the Hunter, the only movie directed by Charles Lawton. Robert Mitchum plays a criminal posing as a priest, trying to get some money from some kids. It's my favorite movie from the 50s, a beautiful film, uh, a almost like horror fairy tale, and uh, a movie that's been endlessly referenced by tons of other films, including like Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. And then after that, we're doing Bob Fosse's All That Jazz, a movie I've seen once, a great musical with Roy Scheider. He's actually playing Bob Fosse, except Bob Fosse's called Joe Gideon. And that's about where the fictionalization stops. It's a trip. It's a very interestingly structured film. I remember seeing it for the first time and not really knowing what to expect and being kind of blown away by it. And who wants to introduce Edwin's birthday, Invasion USA? Who wants to do that yeah, one? I got it. Invasion USA, Monday, don't come. Uh, I'll, I'll be there, but I won't be happy. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to introduce my damn movie, all right? Thank you very much. Okay, November 15th, on a Monday, at the Secret Movie Club Theater, when America was in terror, they called one man to save it, and that man was Chuck Norris, with his awesome beard, and his kick-ass jeans, that movie's Invasion USA, and it's also right in time for the Christmas season, so come watch my movie that he made. (laughs) Invasion USA is one of the most ridiculous 
action movies of the 80s. You buried the lead that Chuck Norris co-wrote this with his brother Aaron. He does a trope that everyone has made fun of ever since where he he's a retired off-the-grid CIA agent who now lives in the bayou in all denim and somehow they find him for one more mission and he's got to come and stop a somehow a Cuban invasion of the United States that seems to only have taken place on one beach in Miami but somehow it threatens the whole United States and he wears denim the whole time. That ridiculous. It's the height of Reagan era action movie ridiculousness. November 17th, Corel. This is again Fassbender Wednesdays. Corel is actually the very last film that Fassbender ever made. He died six weeks before it was released in the way he promised he would die. Uh, he said he would die before he hit 40 and he did at 37 from a cocaine barbiturate overdose after having made 45 plus films in just 15 years including numerous plays and TV shows and Corel is an adaptation of a Jean Genet, the transgressive LGBTQ author, French author Jean Genet novel it's almost indescribable. Brad Davis of Midnight Express gives a really brave performance as a bisexual sailor who comes into a Lars von Trier-esque totally artificial port town, has sex with everybody, murders, does drugs. The movie has a very famous Andy Warhol poster, and Fassbender, along with just a few other filmmakers, Akira Kurosawa, Stanley Kubrick being the handful, made one of his most fascinating sort of transgressive experimental movies as his last movie. It's not for everyone, but it's fascinating, and it predates Dogville by 20 years. So I just want to say yet again, and I love Lars von Trier, but Fassbender did it first in Corel. So come see Corel; it'll blow your mind. But be prepared; it's a rough movie. Thursday, the 18th, Casper movie that I have never, I have never seen, but I heard many good things about it. Yes, because there's there's no physical media of it, no Blu-ray, no DVD. It's been out of print for years. So. On Thursday, the 18th, we're showing one of John Cassavetes' uh, first comedy he directed called Minnie and Moskowitz with T. Marcus Al and Jenna Rollins. One of the few movies I have not seen by Cassavetes, but I'm looking forward to seeing this picture at the Secret Movie Club Theater. And I will just add that it actually co-stars, and he didn't really promote this, but John Cassavetes as well. And it was one of the most fascinating scenes you'll ever see between him and Jenna Rollins, where John Cassavetes, who cheated on Jenna numerous times, plays the man that Jenna's cheating with, and then she slaps him in the face. And this is early on in the movie in front of their own child. So you watch that scene and you're like, and it is amazing and comedic and one of Sean Penn's favorite movies. Friday the 19th, one of the most shocking, most realistic war movies about the Vietnam War. Michael Chamil's greatest masterpiece he's ever done, right next to Heaven's Gate, Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, Meryl Streep, The Deer Hunter on 35mm. And John Gazelle, and his last great performance he's ever done. Just a great film. Oh, I know it is. I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> On Saturday, November 20th, at the Million Dollar Theater, we have a Douglas Sirk double feature of All That Heaven Allows and Imitation of Life. All That Heaven Allows is a social class drama, is that fair? About an upper class man and his, I think is his gardener, right? that sort of fall for each other and sort of deal with the, the issues prevalent with that in the 50s. I want to say this is one of Casey's favorite movies, so should be a good time. Uh, then Imitation of Life. It's about a white woman who is widowed and she meets, she has a caretaker uh, who is a black woman and the caretaker sort of takes on the woman's daughter while she pursues a um, onstage career. And within that, all of the women are sort of dealing with their identity, one of this widow trying to achieve fame and this daughter who's sort of losing connection within that. 
Meanwhile, the caretaker and her daughter sort of dealing with the African-American identity uh, that the film sort of percolates around. It's devastating. The black daughter can pass for white. And as she gets older, is more and more embarrassed of her mother and her skin color and takes on the psychosis of American society. It's a devastating movie made in 1959 that indicts American racism. One of the bravest, like most transgressive films made in the 50s. Same day at the Million Dollar Movie Theater Palace, we're doing Martin Scorsese's Casino, the only other movie I've seen this month. Here's some <laughs> words about it that I created myself. It's a stunningly pointed drama about horrible life decisions. Guys is a gangster movie. Scorsese's High Point Casino provides all the gangster style you'd expect for the maker of Goodfellas and surprises you with a bad relationship, divorce, melodrama, a la Godard's Contempt or a Cassavetti's movie. Wow. Come see. I know. It was very succinct and well thought out. Um, so come see Casino on 35mm on Saturday, November 20th. We November really was sort of swinging for the fences and movies that it's not like we were trying to do cash grabs. These are just movies I'm very thankful for that I feel people should see. And sort of as evidenced by our calendar episode here, if you haven't seen these movies, which was the point, uh, these are movies that I'm thankful for that a lot of people maybe have never seen but have heard about. I would really encourage you, please come see these movies. They will change your life. They will rock your world. The very last movie of November, talk about movies that very few people have seen. I am calling this Take a Chance Cinema and I hope to do this once a month. I actually did this with a movie that's really well known a few years ago, Jacques Audiard's Um Prophet, which I loved. And I just thought, well, whether people come or they don't come, I hope you'll take a chance. And we did this again with the Ukrainian film called The Tribe. So if you took a chance on Um Prophet, a great French film from 2009, or you took a chance with The Tribe, an amazing Ukrainian film from the early 2010s, I hope you will take a chance with this Russian film called Hard to Be a God that came out in 20. 13, the filmmaker actually died and his son had to finish it up, even though it was near completion. If you love Russian and Soviet sci-fi, by which I mean Tarkovsky, Solaris or Stalker, I really want to tell you, you're going to like do flips over hard to be a God. This is one of my favorite films of the last decade. I think it's one of the great films of the 21st century. It's a crazy movie based on a novel about cosmonauts who go to a planet that never got out of the Middle Ages. Every Everyone there is humanoid, but they never made the technological or societal advances to get out of the Middle Ages. So for eons, they've been stuck in superstition and religious uh, hypocrisy and executions based on this uh, sort of rich oligarchy of religious leaders. But the cosmonauts have one rule. It's kind of like a, st a Star Trek rule. They're not allowed to get involved in the society. They're not allowed to change the trajectory of the society. They're only there to observe and report back. But one cosmonaut who's posing as a duke gets more and more angry that this society is not evolving and isn't moving into the Renaissance, isn't moving into the Enlightenment, and he's more and more tempted and goaded to actually take an active role. It's unlike anything you've seen. It's three hours. It's very weird in how it's shot. It's all shot on a wide-angle lens. But the production design is mind-blowing. It was shot in Prague. It's like a mixture of Dune and Solaris is the only way I can describe it to you. I encourage everybody to see this movie. And there's our November. Any final words, gents? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy birthday, Edwin. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. November 15th. Come celebrate with Edwin. 
All right, guys. So there you go. You can get tickets at secretmovieclub.com and eventbrite at secretmovieclub.com. Uh, we're showing a lot of these titles on 35 millimeter. We hope you'll come and see them. If you're a movie lover or a movie maker, these movies will change your life. All right. Peace. Mm. Thank <laughs> you.